Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Dale Walker. I want to welcome you to our Leadership Podcast. We are looking at how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. I'm excited to have you listening. If you want the notes on this, you can get them at dalewalker.life. There's also a lot of other resources to help you grow in your leadership. Share this with someone if you are blessed. I know you will be. God bless you. Well, hello, everyone. Again, welcome to the podcast. I like to say this is a podcast aimed at helping leaders grow so they can grow more and better disciples for Jesus Christ. Uh, Today, I want to start casting a little bit vision about the podcast. I feel like uh, a key focus on my heart these days is this burden to really strategically uh, equip what I call the servant core of our church as well as partners of our mission. I feel like God's called Heart for the World to be an apostolic center that partners with people to, especially in these days, raise up just powerful men and women of God who are going to disciple others. And it was kind of neat the other day praying. I felt like the Lord gave me a prophetic verse from Isaiah 44, uh, verse 3 and 4. It says, I will pour out on the one who is thirsty. I will flood the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Your offspring will grow like willow trees in the grass beside the water course. And uh, this is powerful for me because if you visit our house, we have these big willow trees next to the water course or the irrigation, and they almost block out the sun. And it's a picture of what I believe is happening in some of your hearts. God's growing you to a place. And many who I like to call descendants or people that we've been able to influence are are just about to go to a level beyond what I could have ever imagined. So I'm excited to do this this podcast. I mentioned our servant corps, and I use that term to relate to people in our church or partners in our church case who've gone through our growth track, who serve in a ministry, who are willing to play a key role in hosting a life group. I really count them our frontline shepherds in the church. And I feel like with everything in me, I want to focus in on this servant core and really make this podcast a part of their journey. The vision is that our servant core will listen to this podcast and then we'll come to our monthly Elevate meeting uh, where there'll be a transformational coach at the table and they'll apply what they're learning uh, from the podcast. But the idea is that all of us grow together over the next nine months in in the core values and vision that we share uh, as a church. And so I'm excited for this. I'm excited for you to help me let other people know about this podcast, especially those who are wanting to rise up as servant leaders. Um, The other big thing about this month's podcast is that it really is a tool to prepare for a five-week church-wide campaign we're calling um, The Secrets of Connection, God's Way to Build, Heal, and Grow Our Relationships with Each Other so that He unleashes His love into our lives, our families, our city, and the world. And so this connection campaign 
will kick off on August 7th, and just so excited about it. Um, our specific goal is once a year to have kind of the whole church get on the same page and really come in one accord with one thought topic that we all pour into and connect about. And I think it's powerful in a church. There are many who want to minister to the church, but but some don't want to minister as the church, as one voice, as one people. But I think there's something so powerful about that uh, when it comes to all being streams of one fountain or, or branches of one tree. And we do the campaign especially so that people in our church who've never been a part of a life group or small group will find this is a time that they can really connect. And so we'll have on Sunday night, August 7th, our connection campaign kickoff and, and just super excited about that in which I'm going to give everybody a notebook and it has, you know, all of the curriculum and it's going to have some credible activations. And I'm really looking today to encourage any of you listening, if you would like to start a small group for just five weeks, you could do it at a coffee shop, you could do it here at the church on Wednesday nights. Uh, you could do it in your home or anywhere. I, I would love for you to just let me know if you're interested. You can email me or thomas at dale at hftwchurch.org. Um, let me just give you a few more details about the campaign. Uh, again, I think this topic is so crucial because it's laying a foundation for all of the small groups we're gonna have this year. Uh, the core foundation of relational strength and wisdom. We're going to look at the book of Ephesians, uh, which is a book on the unity of the church. Uh, we're going to really kind of lean in, and I'm going to invite you right now to think about getting a book that we're going to use a lot called The Connection Codes by Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill the blueprint and tools for creating the kind of relationships you crave. And uh, it's going to be a, an incredible tool for this uh, five weeks. I also want to encourage you that that first week, starting on August 8th, we're going to have a week of prayer in which we just really cry out to the Lord to pour out his love on us so that his love can grow big in our hearts towards one another and towards others. And then that Wednesday night, there'll be uh, connection groups here at the church, as well as for youth and kids. We had such an amazing time with the kids, literally the grandparent club and sitting around a table, just connecting God with our kids. And it's just amazing. Let me just say a few things about the vision of this, and I'll share more on Sunday. But I am fired up about this topic I feel like the way I could describe it is that God wants to start a love-illusion. Uh, he wants to begin to pour his love so big in us and through us. You know, we live in a world that's become more disconnected than ever before. The pandemic, um, issues of race, immigration, gender, politics, people out of fear are withdrawing from others. They're disconnecting more than ever before. So many families uh, are coexisting rather than, than powerfully connecting. 
Uh, and we see a generation, even of our youth, that are suffering. So much of their time spent behind screens, not really connected and in, in homes where people are, are scattered. And we see so many, even in adults, that are lonely. You know, one of the things that Dr. Hill says in his books, they've proven that being lonely is just as damaging even to your physical health is as smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. Um, I feel such a passion that this season, God wants to heal disconnection. And he wants to unite us to do life together in an incredible way. It is so clear in the Bible that love is God's highest purpose for our life. The greatest moment of any day is that moment you show God's love in God's heart. That's the moment that matters for eternity. I love what 1 John 4, 16 says, when we live in love, we live in God. In Ephesians uh, 4, 15, as it's speaking about speaking God's truth in the message translation, it says, when we learn to speak the truth in love, God's own blood and breath flows through us. <laughs> uh, I just love that. And of course, Jesus made it clear, by this shall they all know that you're my disciples. Or Father, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one, and then the glory that you gave me will be among them. I, I feel so deeply that God wants the day to come that when people walk into our church, the whole environment, it feels like a gathering of people who've just run into their best longtime friends and they're so excited to see each other and, and they do life together in ways of sacrifice and joy that people on the outside immediately notice and are stirred and want what they see and are welcomed in. I wrote this as a vision statement. I sincerely believe that if we can help people connect with others the Jesus way, where they learn to open up, use their gifts, add value to others, share their hearts, learn to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, learn how to speak the truth in love and break walls of conflict, be intercessors in the community instead of dividers, that this sleeping giant called Jesus Church will awaken and begin to transform cities and nations like never before. I hope somebody's saying amen right now. So how does this happen? Well, it starts with leaders. As John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls with leadership. And so with you, whether here in Heart for the World Church, you're willing to be a part of the Servant Corps or wherever you're serving around the world, learning to be what I call today a connecting leader leaders who connect well with God and people so that people can connect well with God and each other is the thing that's going to make the difference, whether it's in your family, the business you run, uh, your school, or at a church community. And so I want to share just a few thoughts about being a connecting leader. And I'm going to share it in the context because of this uh, season, how especially that would apply to a small group or a life group. I want to begin with this phrase that, that I really like. It says, everybody communicates, but few connect. Boy, is that true. In other words, connecting is a lot more than talking. Everybody talks, but few people 
ever touch a heart. As we say around here, you got to touch a heart before you can take a hand. I had this picture in my mind of connecting as sort of being like that trapeze, you know, when one trapeze artist you know, let's go of the trapeze and grabs a hold of the other who's hanging by their knees. It's an incredible thing. And when I think of connection, I think of talking as letting go of your trapeze, but connecting is when you really take hold of the other person. And that's not easy to do. It is a very intentional thing that I want to teach you about how to live your life as a connector who connects with God on behalf of people, and then connects people to God and with each other for their sake and for their future. I know that personally I can tell you that I've failed many times sort of thinking of myself more as a preacher when really God's called me to be a connector. It's so easy to think my job maybe more in terms of just delivering a message, but that's really not the most important thing. I remember one day I'm in my office just sort of cramming for a sermon and I hear the voice of people outside of my office and some visitors are here from out of town and everyone's talking. And uh, to be honest, I didn't want to go out there. I said, Lord, I'm busy and I got to finish this. And to, to be really honest, I thought maybe I'm going to turn my lights off so they don't know I'm here. And then all of a sudden, I felt so convicted, and it was like, but Lord, I'm here doing the ministry. And and it was like the Lord said, no, people are the ministry. (laughs) The ministry is not a sermon. It's not. It's it's people. And it's connecting with God's God's heart to people so their lives are encouraged and changed. This is what we see in Jesus, the master connector who walks slowly through the crowds, who we see miracle after miracle because he was close, accessible, and touchable. Uh, I love the lady who touched the hem of his garment. He said, who touched me? All the disciples, what are you talking about? Well, that's because they're not, they weren't, they weren't used to connecting in their hearts with people, whereas Jesus felt people. He didn't just see people. He connected with them. I love that Jesus was called friend of sinners. And we're going to talk about this in the sermon series because so many people can't really connect with people who disagree with them. And yet Jesus is here with, you know, prostitutes and corrupt politicians and you name it. And he doesn't agree with them. He doesn't agree with their lifestyle. And yet he connects with them. You know, if you're going to win people to the Lord before you try to convict or correct, you have to connect. And and somehow they wanted to be with Jesus. And he had that ability to speak people's love language, to find their heart and to touch their heart before he asked for their hand. He was sensitive to everyone around him. And I believe what he was modeling is perhaps one of the main roles of a leader, especially I call it uh, the role of a shepherd, is to be a chief connector, to help people know they are seen and safe, and then to help them make that connection with God and others that will change their life. John Maxwell defined connecting as the ability to identify with and relate to people in a way that adds value and increases the potential of what you all can be together. 
I like to say because it's sort of a motto of our church. Connecting is knowing how to love people to life. <laughs> it's that gift that says, man, I'm touched. I feel God because I'm around you. You know, you can feel it in the room when connection is happening. Jesus even made a reference to this in Matthew 18, 20. He said, where, where two or, or three are gathered, are in agreement. And the word literally there means to symphonize or be a symphony, come in one accord. He says, there I am in their midst. And you know, you can just feel it. You can feel when you've gathered in, in the Lord's name in a way that he is just smiling. There's something in the atmosphere. I, I love the phrase we use here at church, welcome home. Because when, when people are loved and God is present, everybody's home. <laughs> we were at White Sands the other night and started fellowshipping with some people from the uh, Mescalero Reformed Church. And we we're just loving. All of a sudden, you could just feel God. I mean, it was just God because brothers were dwelling together in unity. You know how I can tell in a small group when people are connecting. Here's some things you feel positive energy. You feel that it's easy for people to communicate. You feel unguarded openness, unsolicited words of appreciation and affirmation. You feel people are willing to sacrifice for one another. And you feel that when you say, come Holy Spirit, he shows up. Why? Because you took the time to connect in a way that gave Jesus a place among you. So let me give you seven ideas for becoming a better connecting leader. Here's the first, and I think it might be the most important. Simply ask God to really help you value people and give you a greater revelation of their worth to him. I think it's so incredible to just pray the prayer, Lord, let me see people as you see people. Lord, Show me your heart for people. That's why we call this church Heart for the World. Uh, I love the story of the, the little guy whose brother's kind of rude to him and one day says, Bobby, I wish you would put on grandma's glasses. And he says, what are you talking about, kid? He says, well, every time grandma puts the glasses she has on and looks at me, she thinks I'm just the greatest guy in the world. <laughs> I think every time you put on Jesus glasses, people look amazing, don't they? We, we love to talk around here about just putting a tin on people's heads to start off with the highest assumption, to expect people to be amazing and to talk to them as if they were smart and wonderful and incredible. Uh, number two, just... Grasp the indispensable potential of the role you play in being a connector for people, a bridge between them and God and them and the church. You know, what, what is so valuable to me when I talk about our life group leaders being the frontline pastors is that it's impossible, especially in a church our size, for me or our staff, to be the connection point for everybody here. And, and really, I think the, the warmth of our church and the potential of our church depends on so many of you being willing to be that frontline connector. 
that person who connects someone with God, with the church, who brings them in, helps them find their place in that big puzzle piece we call the church, uh, or as, you know, the, uh, the saying goes, Jim Collins saying, helps them find their place or their seat on the bus. That, that is just so huge. You know, when I, what I like to think about this is how amazing it is that we might be the connecting point between someone and God. You've heard it said around here, you, you may be the only Jesus somebody ever meets because you're his hands and feet. I love to say when people come to church or they come to a small group for the first time and you think about this and you say, what if this is the first time someone is encountering God or the church? What will they think when they leave this place? When you see people and realize, what if this is their last chance to connect with the Lord and with the church? And this conversation could win or lose the battle. Uh, I'll never forget this incredible guy that was a part of my last church, James Cecilick, one of our elders. And first time he came to church, he really couldn't find a seat, didn't know what was going on, and he left the building. But one of our leaders, Sue Yeager, chases him down, goes outside, finds him in the parking lot, really connects with him, invites him in, and, and, and he ends up getting saved. He ends up becoming one of the greatest leaders in our church just because somebody took the time to connect. People all over the place are, are waiting to feel God's love. A, a lady named Cindy who was a volunteer at a nursing home, I love this story she shared. She, she shared there was a lady there when she was visiting, all slumped over in a wheelchair, almost comatose it seemed. And she just went up to her. She started loving on her, kind of talking to her, just rubbing her back a little bit, introducing herself. She was asking her name. And, and it, for what seemed like several minutes, the lady just stayed there, slumped over. And, and yet, as she began to talk and kind of hug on the lady a little bit, all of a sudden, she sits up quickly and says, my name is Abigail. And I used to be a school teacher. <laughs> and it turned out to be an amazing conversation. And it was just life. Uh, I love the story of the guy named Bill who had been on the streets, an alcoholic, but got to the rescue mission, got saved, and then just spent his life going out on the streets and loving those who were the down and out and homeless. And one day, this fella comes into the rescue mission and, and says, you know, I'm looking for someone. I'm looking for Bill. He says, why are you looking for Bill? He says, he says I want to be like Bill. Bill, he came out to me. He listened to me. He cared for me. And, and I, I saw him as someone I could be. And, and all of a sudden, the worker kind of said, no, you, you, you're not saying you want to be like Bill. Don't you mean you want to be like Jesus? <laughs> and, and the guy looks up and he says, well, is Jesus like Bill? <laughs> and, and I love that. Well, the truth is, Bill was like Jesus. And so this can be the difference for everything. As the chief connector, you translate God so that he becomes accessible to people. People begin to understand they have a place here. They belong. 
A third principle is focus on listening. Leaders are listeners. They, as I said Sunday, Chris Valentin's quote, they find the gold in the dirt of people's lives. They are constantly listening in ways that make people feel that they're fascinating, <laughs> amazing, wonderful. Uh, let me just say it from a negative point of view. Here is three attitudes that people who don't connect have when they're listening. Number one, they project a still face. You know what a still face is? It's that blank staring look like a statue. It face is a face that says, this person is no longer here in the conversation. Can I just tell you something? Don't give people a still face. I have to confess as a preacher, there are so many still faces out there when I preach, but I'm always looking for these four or five people and, and their eyes are wide open and they're smiling. And I like to say it this way. They are fulls of, they are full of oohs and ahs or wow or yes. Um, what, a, what an honor you give when you listen with oohs. They, they don't see themselves as the center of conversation. Uh, I heard someone describe one teacher as jam it in, cram it in, there's more to follow, push it in, slam it in, the students' heads are hollow. <laughs> That's not the way that you teach. They don't communicate to people when they talk. Hurry up and finish telling me your thoughts or problems so I can give you my solutions. Can I just apply this in a small group, in a life group? What we, we encourage is we call our hosts, we call people leading their hosts or facilitators, and they're not lecturers or Bible teachers. In fact, we like to say the ideal life group has about 30% of leadership talking and 70% of the other group sharing. And the key to that is intentionally a drawing out of people from the well that's inside of them by having good questions and by showing great interest. Another key is learn to find common ground with people. I love what 1 Corinthians 9.22 says. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can so some can be saved. And then Paul will talk about to the Jew, I become like a Jew or to a Gentile. So fascinating with Paul when he's in Athens. He doesn't quote the Jewish scriptures. He quotes uh, the Greek philosophers. He, he's always looking for a way to connect. One of the great principles of connecting is think of something in that first conversation or those first conversations that will connect with the future. Something that will help you have the next conversation. Obviously, beginning with really working at learning someone's name. Someone said the most beautiful sound in anyone's ear is the sound of their name warmly echoed. But beyond that, I love to just look for where do I have common ground with this person? And it's so fun because if you can find something, next time you talk to them, you have a connection. Oh, we're both cowboy fans. Hey, he was in the army too. Oh, did you know 
that she was a waitress for 20 years. I can relate to that. But you're looking for common ground. This is so powerful, especially when you begin to find something that they are very interested. I believe everyone has a connection sweet spot. There is something that you can find that when they talk, they come alive. (laughs) Uh, It may be their grandchildren. It may uh, be some part of their dream. And that's why I love the questions. What makes you dream? What makes you sing? Uh, What makes you cry? But I love this idea. For me, there's nothing I love more than to hear someone's dream. I'm just naturally attracted to dreams because I'm a dream releaser. That's my call. And, and so if I can get on that and I can just keep pulling out that kind of thing in them, it creates connection. Uh, uh, next, fifth thing is just people connect best when they have a part or a role. We connect by giving. I, I love to tell people, you, how do you ever feel like you belong? You make someone else belong. <laughs> the moment you make someone else belong, help feel like they belong, then you feel like you belong. <laughs> and, uh, and, and literally within a group, you begin to try to understand where, where could this person play a significant part? Wow, you make an amazing pie. Could you make a pie for the group sometime? Look, you just do a great job at the opening icebreaker. Would you lead our icebreaker? Hey, you plan very cool, funny ventures or outreaches. Could you be someone who does that? Wow, you just are such a, a, a genius at just leading in a song of worship. Could you prepare that? Anyhow, this creates an incredible place for connection. The next one is one of the most important, and I'll spend a lot of time in the sermon series. But people create in an environment where there is safety and vulnerability. Those two words are so important especially in a life group. People become vulnerable when they're safe and people are safe when they learn to be vulnerable or especially when the leader becomes vulnerable. This is so huge. That's why in the small group, we create time where we, we, we clearly define expectations. We enforce certain what we call home safe, home rules, we, we do everything because it's going to take several weeks for people to build trust. Is this a safe place? And when it is, amazing things start to come out of people. But really, of all the ways that you create safety and you create community, there is nothing, nothing you do more important than to share authentically your weaknesses, your emotions, your failures, and your struggles. And, and we always say leaders go first. Uh, leaders are show and tell. Leaders don't tell people what to do. They show and tell. And, and so a leader's job is to become the most open and vulnerable person in the group's meeting. I love this quote that says, sharing success creates competition. Sharing failure creates community. That's from Rick Gordon. Isn't that good? People are impressed with your strengths, but they connect with you in your weaknesses. One of the most important 
things we're going to talk about, and this is a part of that Connections book with Dr. Hill, is that God has coded us or wired us to connect through our emotions. We, we say people are feelers who think, they're not thinkers who feel. The truth is that these emotions we have, the good, the bad, the ugly, the positive, they are the grounds by which human beings really develop deep connection. It, it is so amazing, and this is why Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. There, there is something incredible when someone shares an emotion. I felt afraid yesterday because the bank called me and said I was overdrawn and I've been struggling a lot with finances. I felt ashamed yesterday because I knew God wanted me to help that person who was hungry more and I just kept going my own way. Whatever it is, it's an amazing thing because people immediately begin to empathize. People immediately begin to close the gap. Immediately you begin to get this unspoken, me too, oh yeah, me too. When that happens, connection is there. Also, what, when that happens, what we call divine appointments or come Holy Spirit moments most often occur. Uh, we believe that God's going to show up in our groups. People are going to get healed, reconciled, uh, set free. That almost always happens in a moment where people are vulnerable and they're sharing the feeling. Suddenly, the atmosphere in the room shifts because God's there to connect with that place of hurt. And it doesn't take a lecture. It doesn't take a technique. It just takes a, a connecting leader to say, I think God is connecting with you right now. We're not going to give you advice. We're not going to give you any kind of, uh, you know, correction. But what we are going to do is to simply lean into this moment with you and invite the Holy Spirit to connect with you. And amazing miracles happen at that moment. Um, the last thing I would just share uh, is that great connectors create environments by creating a fun, safe, God-filled environment. And this is huge in a small group. Uh, you, as the leader, will set the tone of the whole meeting. So let me just give you some practical things how to create what we call around at Heart for the World the funnest, safest, most God-filled hour of someone's week. Smile and laugh a lot. Just decide up front. Learn to celebrate. Take selfies together. Bring gifts. Play funny, silly games. Fuel good, good humor. Always let people know how excited you are to see them. As I said earlier, have clear guidelines. Be well-prepared in advance. Be able to recognize what might be a safety stealer in the moment so that people are protected from that. Uh, we always tell people if you have a situation where someone doesn't seem safe in the group, you don't know what to do, please just call a pastor. We'll help you. Create an environment, as I said, of lots of oohs and ahs. Sense quiet moments where you bless what God is doing. Always give testimony and praise when God has done something great. 
finally, let me just summarize it this way. Do you want to be a great connector? Take it on yourself, the role. God, my job is to connect people with you and with each other. Within the context of pastoring or small groups, that, that could look like helping people identify their next step. One of the biggest things we encourage leaders as people are going through discipleship, we tell them all the time, don't worry about all the hundreds of things that need to change in your life. Just identify your next step and take it. And that could be go to equip class, get baptized, go to Holy Spirit retreat, go on a mission trip. It's huge. Help them find other people and connections with people that maybe have their gift or would like to know them. Help them find a place to serve. Help them connect on Sunday mornings. You know, I have a burden that Sunday morning, nobody will come to church and be alone. That Sunday morning will be a place where people sit with family, join with family, connect with family. I, I want people surrounded. So when I say, let's pray for the person on your right and your left, they're getting prayed for. I love it when small groups sit together, or at least some of the people. I love it when they go to lunch together. But we are going to create, by the grace of God, the most connected group of people that we've ever been with in our life. Amen? And finally, just let me say this great quote, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Thanks so much for joining in. Please let me know if you'd like to be a part of helping start or host a small group. Please email me and plan on seeing me at the Connection Kickoff. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. It is our hope that you have been inspired in a great way. We encourage you to stay tuned for future content. May God bless you richly.